God. Oh, my God. Like, when I tell you literally just sitting here right now, cross-legged on this couch with this microphone in my face, like, I was out of nowhere, just like this surge of energy that just happened. I have missed this so much. It's only been a week, but still, like... I am so happy to be back. It's your girl Joy Has Questions coming to you with this episode post-Cuba recap in this bit. Yes! Um, I am definitely going to get started, you know, with my regular format. There is no guest on the show today because I just I have so much to comment on, to discuss. Um, my girl Amrache, a.k.a. Ashley Robinson, just cannot heap... cannot heap enough praise on her in terms of um, the experience that herself as well as our amazing guide, her sister Taliba gave. It was truly the best trip I've ever had. Um, And to ring in my 30th in such a monumentous way in a country that I've always wanted to see since I was a little girl, like I am over here literally just basking in the afterglow of accomplishing a bucket list item. So, um, yeah, I had intentionally just wanted to make this a recap. I didn't want to, you know, talk to a guest per se. I just wanted this to be focused on what I thought about the trip, parallels that I found in America. You already know race relations coming up, y'all. But um, even before I get started, I just want to give a huge thanks and shout out to my sis Jazz for being so amazing. Like, y'all, when I came back, she had the door open. Like, you're back. Like... We sat in, we're extremely close. So, like, we literally sat, like, sharing drinks. I was so hungry. Let me tell you my ghetto ass did. I had, like, a whole ass Subway sandwich in the bathtub. And we were just like, yeah, girl. So, the trip was lit. Drinking Havana Club rum. She was like, oh, this is good. I'm like, I know, right? So, just coming back into the swing of things. Her caring so much about me that she, like, made my bed. I'm like, oh, she might as well put, like, a little mint or a Twix bar something on the pillowcase. So it just felt so good to be so loved. Um, she now is back to being her mean self towards me, but that's okay. No kidding. She's not mean to me. Um, also, she is over here contouring her face for the gods. And this layered lip that I walked in on today, don't let the Carmex fool you. She is over here giving good lip plumping realness. I'm like, I feel like a proud parent. Look at you. Oh, this glow. <laughs> and she just turned around. All glow. So I'm just going to hop right into it with you. Better know. Um, a couple of weeks back, I did our, the, I did the You Better Know on OEC or OSC, who was considered largely the first Afro-Cubano or the first, you know, Afro-Latino, I should say, revolutionary um, in Cuba. He was trying to prevent imperialism, colonial expansion. He tried to warn, you know, the natives in the, I guess, what would you call it, pre-colonial Cuba, even before the founding of Cuba, the area that would be known as Cuba. He tried to warn the natives, like, look, some shit is about to go down. These motherfuckers are not friendly. We need to squad up. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Long story short, He was burned at a stake, and I was more so talking about the fact that I thought it was so fucking disrespectful that there's a beverage, it's a beer, that's named after him. And I'm like, 
I'm sorry, but let somebody come out here and make a Martin Luther King Colt 45 and I'm fucking riding. I'm telling you this right now. So outside of, you know, just that moment and being able to comment on it, that was something that I brought up to our guide, Taliba, when we were just talking because I asked her, I was like, you know, how do the Cuban people look at Castro? Because from what I've always known of him, like truly, there's only two things that I've ever, you know, known about Castro. One, he was this god-awful dictator, right? And then two, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Actually, the Cuban Missile, three things, Cuban Missile Crisis and then the Bay of Pigs, which was like a horrible uh, coup operation, I believe, that the U.S. government tried to stage in the late 50s, completely backfired on their asses and all those people, you know, wound up getting murdered or, you know, killed, assassinated, however you want to look at it. Now, when I had the conversation with her, we were just talking about like revolutionaries, right? And Oasis, and where does Castro fall in line with that? And I thought it was very interesting because number one, she told me, she was like, you are the first person, period, who I've ever talked to who knows who Oasis is outside of like Cubans. And she was like, secondly, it's super disrespectful to us because she was like, it's a beer. So she was like, what does beer do? Sweat. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's a cold product. And if it's hot outside, it'll start to sweat. Yeah. But she was like, it makes you think of skin peeling or of skin. I was like, oh my God. And it's true. Like when flesh has, you know, a, a, a melting point. It has, you know, a, a burning point, just like anything else in this universe, or I should say on the planet. So if you've ever seen someone burn or just a burn victim period, it looks like, you know, their skin has just melted off of them. So I could understand like the comparison that she was making of how it's extremely disrespectful to his, you know, to him in death. Also pulling from Castro. Now, let me say this. I am not making Castro my, you better know. In the sense of, whereas I understand the theory and I can understand why it was the stance that he took or what he thought was doing or what he thought was doing his best for the Cuban people. I can only look at the actions holistically and the actions of Castro, or I should say more so people underneath his regime who may not even necessarily have been him, but it's like, just if you're affiliated, no one ever was going to be like, oh, well, you know, this person moved independently of President Obama. No, it always starts from the head. Under President Obama's administration, so you already know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. But for him, it was a very, you know, multi-layered conversation in terms of what Fidel Castro represented. This was a white, you know, he came from wealth. A lot of people don't realize this. Fidel Castro came from money. He was a lawyer in New York. Like he did not have to come back and rep for poor people, or at least, you know, realize that this would be, you know, something to cause or mantle that he wanted to take up because he was living a good life. Like his whole, he, his whole family came from money. Um, not even trying to be funny, and quote Batman, but like they said, like you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. And I think that is an excellent way to 
describe Fidel Castro and, and you know internally and even something that Taliba said that I really thought was amazing she said like towards the end of his life when he would do his speech and stuff he you know and I, I don't care what type of money power we all have the same tendencies as humans and so when you get older you do start to reflect back on what your life has looked like or how people will remember you or what they will think about you and so she was saying like a lot of his speeches you know a lot of the things he was saying was the fact of like you know, maybe I shouldn't have cut, you know, Cuba off of the world. He's like, I, you know, it's kind of like that parent. Like, I just knew it was going to be a problem if you all saw all the things that the world would say about, you know, this country. But he was like, I pro he was like, I may have done it wrong. I might have, you know, should have allowed you all to see for yourselves and make the decision for yourself. And so I thought that was very interesting to say for someone that is, whether you love him, hate him, think he was right or wrong or some communistic, you know, demon, whatever your opinion is of Castro, he's a very influential and polarizing individual. Um, and even in this post Castro or the post Fidel Cuba, his, his, the remnants of the power that he had and the way he shaped the country is still very evident, um. But I think if you are a black Cuban or if you are in general just a person of color visiting the country, you will see firsthand the price that people pay for not allowing um, imperialistic forces to rob them dry or strip them of you know resources just so they can have global domination. You will see... Um, it's a very hefty price to pay, you know? And even then, like, it still may not be under the threshold of freedom, per se. Um, so I just wanted to comment on those, you know, two people. The fact that I was so happy that she was like, you know, OAC? I was like, yes! I just read about him and did him as a you better know. And then also just commenting on Castro. Um, so moving right along, there is nothing I'm commenting on so according to IG, because... I was in a country that had no fucking Wi-Fi, so your girl didn't know. I, <laughs> I'm so behind on TV shows, and to be honest, I have no desire to catch up on them. So instead of so, according to IG, I'm going to hit you with the so, this is what happened on my trip. I flew into Cuba. There are no direct flights to Cuba, um, so I flew in from Houston, Texas. Uh, I think it is very important to first and foremost, when you're looking to travel internationally, just in general, yes, you should do your due diligence and your research to see like, what's the current status of the country, where a popular tourist place, where's the US embassy. Now, I know this might seem, you know, super nerdy of me, but I do that in what I don't care if I go to the to Europe, Europe ain't, you know, super happy right now. They got all the fucking problems with France riots every two years, it seems. Um, then you got the UK with this whole Brexit problem. Brussels got bombed a couple of years ago. What like the point I'm making is I always first and foremost, when it comes to international travel, want to know where is the U.S. embassy? And then what is the like protocol in terms of if something happens, what I need to do? 
Um, I worked with my girl Ashley Robinson. And the reason why I thought this was such a beautiful full circle moment is because Ashley was my second guest ever for Joy Has Questions. So next week will mark my year anniversary of my show. And so with that happening, to, to be on this trip with a young lady that when I started, you know, talking to her on the show, she was getting her travel ducks in a row and trying to figure out the business and the company um, that she wanted to create for herself. So to experience her Regal Odyssey um, program or initiative or to see her business come to light really was just a beautiful thing. I was so happy to support this black queen. She truly gave me like the best fucking experience. Um, also, she is the easiest travel partner. Like waited for me at the airport. Now, whew, we gonna get to that y'all, but waited for me at the airport. Um, if I had lunch, she had the cab. If she had drinks, I had dinner. Like it was just the simplest experience. So there were no egos, no, uh-uh, girl, I only paid for one croquetas. I ain't paying for your mojito, bitch. Like it was just an easy trip and super enjoyable. Um, but yeah, so when you are flying into Cuba, or I need to say it correctly, when you're flying into Cuba, um, you need to get your visa from your point of exit from the United States. I say that again. You need to get the visa from your point of exit from the U.S. Now, this is what I also found with this current administration. I mean, Daffy Duck could do a better job, but under this administration, what I found, like when I even went to O'Hare, I was so thankful I got to the airport as early as I did because it wouldn't allow me to check in. Um, and I had to wait for 45 minutes as the customer service rep got everything squared away to figure out what needed to be put into the system in terms of me being allowed to leave and go. Um, and even when I got to Houston, when I got the visa, I actually was with standing next to a black couple. They came from JFK in New York and JFK didn't even know what the fuck they were doing. They messed around and made them pay for their visa out there. But they were coming to Houston. And so JFK wasn't the point of exit to Cuba. They had a connecting flight. So please make sure if you want to go to Cuba, like you remember that. Getting to the airport, I will say this. If you can just check your bag, depending on what type of trip you want to have, do that. Because baby, when I tell you the anxiety I had standing there waiting for my bag to get off that plane, like I... I would have rather ripped my wig off and ran down the street naked. Like, it was just horrible. <laughs> um, there are two terminals at the airport, but the one that it lets you out for to enter into the country is, I believe, Terminal 2. So it's super cool because you just get off the plane. Like, you go downstairs. You know, we're used to like, oh, it's the ramp and I'm insulated. No, bitch, you get off the plane like Nixon. Like, awesome. Here you go, girl. You here now. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, this ain't no ceremony. Um, but when I was waiting, it was my first realization in terms of like what maybe the experience would look like. It was extremely crowded. There was a German flight that had just gotten in. There's two main carousels that you just have to wait for your luggage. Like, what you gonna do? Walk the fuck away? No. And I hadn't seen that many flat screen TVs since the Rodney King incident. Like I when I tell and not like small ones, y'all. It was like 65, 70 inches. I'm like, oh, y'all out here balling for real. I saw like on the carousels, because a lot of times you also you can't just mail something to Cuba. You have to come yourself with it. So I saw a lot of people that 
were waiting for things that maybe they were giving to their um their relatives in Cuba. And so it was a matter of seeing literally like carry-on size packages and even larger of like Pepto-Bismol and aspirin and, and Alka-Seltzer and just really simple stuff, you know, or looking at people just standing there waiting to, you know, to get shoes or purses or, you know, holding onto their TV so that they could like, you know, escort them out. It took me an hour to get my bag a good Caucasian American hour. I was just like, oh, okay, I'm waiting. But as soon as I walked out, I saw Ashley. Um, We went through Airbnb because I really just wanted something simple. I did not, I said this, I did not want a tourist experience. So I wanted something that felt like home, that felt like I was in the mix of things. But when I wanted to just turn off, I could. And the Airbnb we had, shout out to Veronica and Nina. It was fucking amazing. Um, they had a, a, I should say, uh, a representative, a worker. Like, they had some sort of employee, Adriana, who actually waited. She was super sweet, waited for us. Um, we had absolutely no problems with the Airbnb at all. I will say this. There is, mm, and I don't want to say this maybe for the whole country, but at least for us, the water does not get, like, extremely hot. You know, like, and just those little things. Like, for me... Even when I had it on hot, it was like, girl, I'm gonna give you this tepid shower. You go, it still was like, whoo, feel my blood circulation a little bit, but it wasn't like super hot. Um, if you've all been following my IG stories, and maybe you haven't, but if you all have been following my IG stories, it was really just an amazing experience to be around blackness like that. Like the first night I stayed, we didn't go to sleep, I think, till 5, 8, 6 a.m. Like I could not remember the last time I had been out that late. I was having the time of my life. I was running around with Taliba and Ashley. Their friend Raymel came through. Like it was just such good vibes. I think the most interesting thing or two things that really stood out to me about the first night me being there was I saw a mosh pit pop off. Now, we call it moshing, but in Cuba, they call it thrashing. And the reason why that was so amazing to me was because, number one, I'm by a whole bunch of black Cubanos, so I'm just thinking, like, okay, we're only going to listen to, like, throwback R&B, and I'm hearing, like, where to party at by Jacket Edge. I'm like, yes, y'all better have these mixes. But when it started playing heavy metal, I was confused because to be quite frank, I've always associated heavy metal with white people. Like, I've never associated that genre of music with anything of the African diaspora. And also, I never really understood until that moment that moshing or thrashing involves violence. So if you want to get into a mosh pit, it's like you're hitting people. And so when I saw that pop off, you know me with my south side ass, I was like, oh, where are the exits? Two to the left, one on the right. Do I need to hop this fence? Like, what's good? And I remember, like, Raymel and Talib were just sitting there, and Ashley, too, they chilling. I'm like, so ain't nobody getting up? Like, you don't see this whole ass fight breaking out? And they were just like, girl, Cuba don't have guns? And I was like, oh. And then they were like, secondly, they're thrashing. Like, it ain't even a real fight. And that blew my mind because for something that I had always associated with white people, I saw how different cultures um, were being pulled into this, you know, African, Latino, I should say African, Afro-Cubano experience. 
And that was amazing to me. Even when, and there was a fight that I did see happen. And it was, I was, let's be real. Ain't no different than going to lit or reverie. Like we have seen fights pop off, but I remember like there was a fight that happened. It was like a bunch of, you know, high school age kids. It looks like maybe, maybe 18, 19 at the oldest. And I remember I saw the police roll up and instantly my chest just got tight. Cause I think about it. Like all we associate that with in the States is like death. He going to tase him. He going to shoot him. It's, you know, he going to get off and cry and say, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And so I'm sitting there and the police hopped out the car and broke up the fight. And I stood there. I was like, Oh, wait a second. So they, they do their job. Wait, like no one's going to die. Like what is happening right now? And it blew my mind because number one, even the police, they don't have guns. And then on the second level, it's not me condoning violence at all, but I was like, wow, how amazing it would be if we just lived in an environment where if you're going to run your mouth, have the hands to back it up. It does not take, you're not a G for shooting somebody. Like, if you're going to run your mouth, be able to take the ass up and it comes with you running your mouth. And I really appreciated seeing that in that moment. Like, it really was just like, huh. So this is what happens when you have to put up or shut up. Um, but the first night was amazing. Moving on into the rest of my experience, um, Cuba is very disenfranchised in certain aspects. Like, I will say this for a fact, and I was so happy. Like, y'all know I'm kind of sedity or whatever, but I come from nothing. Like, I come from a very humble beginning with my parents, and something that really just actually made me feel at home was just, like, it reminded me of things that I did with my parents, like you stretch that meal with rice and being, and, but you make it good as hell. And you sit there and you may not have everything that you necessarily want, but you work with what you got and you're thankful and you cool and you happy about it. And it wasn't like people were blindly just like, I am so happy to live in this six flat apartment and have to walk up all these steps or the wall around me might be kind of crumbling or the paint might need to be redone. But what I did appreciate was there was not one person I met who had pity for themselves, who was longing to be somewhere else. There's a pride within the Cuban people that I just fucking respected so much. Our host Taliba was checking mugs left and right. Like, I'm not taking no shit. You're going to respect the people that I'm with. You ain't going to play them. It just was a really beautiful thing to see and to experience. Um, Moving into race relations, though, the thing that just kind of like broke my heart, because it's like no matter where you go, I think that's what really needs to be understood in terms of systematic. You know, we hear that term so often, especially in the U.S., we might think it's just associating itself with like, oh, this is what happens here in America and black people, you're always saying systematic oppression, if systematic oppression was not real, there would be no way in hell that I could have the same type of conversations in terms of self-worth and perming your hair and do you consider yourself black or wanting to be lighter. There's no way I could have the same type of conversations that I have had with people in the States that I was having with people in Cuba. And when I say Afro-Cubano, like, seriously... It was such a mind fuck for me. Same thing like when I went to France, because it's like you see these people and you're just like, 
she definitely is kicking it on 63rd and Cottage. Like, I know for a fact they're from the state. And then they start talking to Spanish, and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, they look exactly like me. They're just not from here, you know, from where I'm from. And so the difference between, like, white Hispanics, or I should say white Cubanos versus Afro-Cubanos, and then also a really good point was made, like, being in this communistic um, society, the whole premise of communism is how everyone is equal. So how is it still that we have the pressures or um, the issues of one trying to feel better than the other based on skin color or of extreme colorism? And so it was really interesting to see. I saw a ton of like, and you could tell like these were family members. These weren't babysitters. It was literally like these beautiful dark-skinned women and they're super, super light damn near white looking, you know, grandchildren. Or it's just the concept of like my grandmother or, you know, someone in my past might have been black, but I'm not black. And having that conversation of like race in Cuba is totally different than how you would be perceived in the U.S. Because with the stupidity and the ignorance of our country, it would definitely, no one, they would literally just hear like, oh, you speak Spanish, you're Mexican. And that's it. There wouldn't be no... What region do you come? Are you in Ovieja? Are you from Habana? Like, where are you from? There would be no, like, let me try and distinguish what your ethnicity was. You would get lumped into that category for whatever those stereotypes entail. Um, Same thing is, like, with me. I always say this. I don't feel American until I leave America, whether that's the good or the bad of it. I don't look at things that I consider as normal as privileges until I leave this country and I don't look at things that are considered as negative stereotypes until I'm faced with it outside of the country um I think also wrapping up it was just really really amazing the hospitality the food oh my god Danny one of uh, my friend girl's friends he was cooking for us like he lived on the top floors the six six flat building and when I say six flat I didn't say three I say what I said six flat when I tell you it was well worth the climb because that food had me in the biggest type of coma I could not take I was literally sitting there enjoying this beautiful cross breeze overlooking all the Cuba and it was just like I'm here for this even when we went to the beach I love the fact how we went to the local beach not like the touristy one. The one thing I will say also, if you're going to travel out of country, hell, even if you're going to travel out of state, please do your due diligence to research what is the flora and fauna that is in the area. Now, me, myself, I'm asthmatic. So I was like, what's this pollen count looking like? I didn't need nothing setting me off. But then also humidity does me so well, which is why being in Cuba, I was just like, yes, bring on this sweltering heat um, because I need it. And even though it was super hot, it gets hotter. Like by the time it's June, Cuba, you could cook an egg on the sidewalk. Um, but outside of that, knowing the flora and fauna of the area of the region, Cuba has, I don't even, they're hybrid animals. They're a mix of like a stingray and a jellyfish. They are called Portuguese man of war. They are this pretty iridescent purple color and they will fuck you up. Like when I tell you they're lethal as hell and even if they are dead, if you step on one, you can do a lot of damage to yourself. Like, they're, venom- they're venomous as shit. And so, understanding that, no, your ass should not be taken off into the ocean. Like, I put two toes in 
Um, and then literally freaked out because it was this cigar bag that I thought was one of those things. And when I tell you I backflipped into my cabana chair, Ashley was cracking up laughing. I'm like, bitch, if you think I'm coming back home on a cot, you got me fucked up. Um, but it was beautiful to see as an animal, like, oh, this is great. And just be sitting there overlooking the Atlantic Ocean and all the waves and everything. And that was pretty. But you have to be careful as well. Um, and it also was cool because the ones that would wash up on the shore for the actual Cubanos, they literally would pick it up by like the teensiest pit points of their fingers. Um, they would bury it in sand and then they would grab sand and like start mashing it in their hands, I guess, to offset the pain of it. Because the thing like vinegar will not help you like typically what you do with the jellyfish sting or when you know you pee on it you get vinegar that will not help you a portuguese man of war you need salt like water so you basically need to put your hand back in salt water or touch sand so that was super dope to see um i think one of the highlights for me though was watching the the resiliency and the ingenuity of the cuban people um Giselle, her husband and herself have like this amazing club, Club Illusion. They're, ugh, them drinks, my God. Drinks were phenomenal. But then on top of it, she does nails as well. Like my girl Ash had a full set that was popping. But the fact is she doesn't, you know, have all the utilities of like going to like a beauty school and doing this on her own. Was super fast, super efficient. Her nails were gorgeous. And at first, like when I was recording her, she was like, no, I'm so nervous. And I was like, girl, if this is what you do when you nervous, I would love to see you when you calm because she slayed the fuck out those nails. But more so what I appreciated was as I was watching that and also having the experience of just sitting in her home, her husband bringing us food, drinks, croquetas, malanga. Oh my God, so good. Um, it was really beautiful to just be surrounded by black women and to know that like it doesn't matter where you go the world over. We will talk about the change. We talking about these niggas, like these dudes. We was talking about love, being a woman, having family, um, putting yourself first, not losing yourself. And that was really, really what I just wanted from my trip. Um, I didn't do a classic car ride. The country has been on like a trade embargo since the fucking 50s. Everything is a classic car ride. Like, you want to know what it's like to ride without seatbelts? Get in a taxi. I don't need to be in like, you know, a dripped out caddy in order to do that or take pictures. Um, I loved the history of the city. I loved the pride of of the country. And I think for me, just in terms of wrapping up what it meant, being able to go to Hotel Nacional, um, which is where one of the most iconic scenes from The Godfather 2 was filmed, and to stand there in a space that I had wanted to be my whole life. Um, I remember when President Obama lifted, you know, like, let's have trade relations again in Cuba, and I remember looking at my dad like, Daddy, they're letting us go to Cuba! I'm so excited! And it was a, a, a smile of, yes, I'm happy too, but I knew that wasn't a trip that, you know, we would necessarily be able to make together. So I was very happy, um, really emotional that I was able to make that trip for him um, and to still have his spirit shine on me as I got these beautiful shots these amazing pictures I could not have been happier um 
But to be in that space for a movie that number one is one of my like literally I can quote it. Leave the gun, take the cannoli, go to the mattress, like get whatever quote you want. I got it. Um, and so to have that moment, it just really made me happy um, for everything that I've been through and for the life that I've led. And everything is connected and, and wanting to continue in that path of greatness. Coming back home was super easy. The ta- the taxi picked me up, dropped me off right at the airport. I waited for like an hour and then I headed home. And when I tell you it was the first time that I was looking at Chicago. And when I saw, you know, my, my city, my baby, when I saw it break through the clouds, it was the first time in my life that I was like, eh, I could have stayed a little bit longer. And I've never had a feeling like that, no matter where I've gone, whether it's been France, London, Iceland, um, New York, Atlanta, no matter where. I've always been like, ooh, girl, this has been cute, but get me home. And that's why I feel like I left one way and I came back another. And whatever my journey or my path in life is, Hell, if my memory goes at 85 when I'm, you know, old and shriveled like a prune, I can only pray and hope that God allows me to keep that memory because that was a beautiful moment for me and I was so blessed and happy to be there. Um, Shout out to Taliba for all of the love that she showed, being the most gracious guy, the most amazing host, production assistant, bartender, uh, damn near trying to hook me up. Like, oh, no, girl, you fine. We're going to get you some Malanga. Also, just so you know, Malanga is two things in Spanish. It's these really bomb-ass deep-fried, like, hash browns that they serve up with honey. And then Malanga is a man. But it was just, like, a really fun. I had the time of my life. Came back with some gifts for my loved ones. So it was a really great experience. So I say this, if you are looking for an amazing trip, you want an authentic experience, you don't want to be one of those, you know, ignoring tourists. Oh, let me lastly say this. I was checking people left and right because I was so done with watching white people, especially take pictures of local Cubanos. Bitch, is what do you think this is, a human zoo? This ain't Louis Vuitton in the 1800s. You don't get to sit here and do that. Because it shows, like, just such a lack of actual cultural exchange and you just wanting to stand on the outskirts and be disrespectful to someone's actual existence and autonomy. You don't see me taking pictures of you. Like, I don't ever go downtown and I'm like, let me just take a picture. I just want to see how people live in Wicker Park. And we know black people are everywhere. Unless your ass is from Transylvania, I don't understand, like, why you flew to Cuba to see black people when I know where you live. There are probably black people. And I don't see you wanting to take pictures of them. So why were you taking pictures of of people in this country? One person in particular, I was at Cafe O'Reilly, which is, like, one of the oldest, you know, cafes in the country. Oh, Cuban coffee, my God. And when a woman did it, my petty ass took a picture of her. Her husband, I was like, no, so we're all going to be taking pictures and actually made videos of like, stop doing that shit. It's rude as hell. It's disrespectful. And newsflash, the local people do not like it. They cannot stand it, actually. 
Um, so with that being said, I just really want to wrap this up. If you are going to go to a country or to Cuba, or I don't care if you go to Seoul, Korea, or Jordan, Yemen, wherever, please do your research on customs and also just have common sense and home training. Um, and do unto others as you want done unto yourself. Don't sit there and do that bullshit to nobody. It's rude and disrespectful as hell. Um, but that was the only thing that I saw that was just like a girl moment for me. And it wasn't even from um, the Cuban people. It was from people visiting the country. Outside of that, I implore everybody, if you want any information um, with me, definitely just hit me up in my email, joyhasquestions at gmail.com. That's J-O-I-H-A-S-Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S at gmail.com. And I can definitely send you all my girl Ashley Robinson's information for Regal Odyssey Tours. Um, and trust me when I tell you, I don't do things for clout. I don't do things just, you know, to better so I can look good, truly. I felt safe. I felt amazing. I had a bomb ass time. The tour that she and Talipa provided were, was fucking phenomenal. And I know you'll have a good time as well. So that's just all I wanted to say for, so this is what I did on my trip. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just going to move right into my motivational message. My motivational message this week. I think there is something to be said about exposing your pain and your demons and your vulnerability for all to see. And I know we live in a very um, public society. We live in a very like, if it's not on social media, it isn't real. But what I mean is to show people your darkness, to show people, you know, what has happened to you when you haven't succeeded, how you're overcoming, how you're trying to get better at it. To have that type of vulnerability, that is what truly makes a difference in terms of, you know, your level up or your blessings coming. Because it is so easy just to show people, you know, the Oslo filter, which is my personal filter. Don't nothing make me pop like that. Woo! Um, but it's so easy to show the Oslo filter or to just show the good parts. Or I took hella pictures in Cuba. I did this, I did that. But it is so difficult to actually expose the demons of the process or when things are going wrong and things are you know, not panning out or when you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be. And even past the trip in Cuba, I think today watching, you know, Leslie Honoré be honored actually um, at a beautiful brunch that was talking to her about her creative journey that was highlighting her and her civic and public um, persona that she has. And like she said, I overshare everything, you know, I'm an open book, but the thing is I use the transparency of my pain to help others. And I think that is truly, if you are trying to be a public figure, that's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about how many platforms or how many pages can I get to repost me on IG it shouldn't be about how much traction I can get with this, that, and the third. It should be about what am I doing that's actually inspiring someone to keep going? What am I doing that's actually helping somebody to not be fearful? You know, and that means the world to me to see 
so many beautiful black and brown women that I look up to exposing those demons, going to therapy, securing the bag, putting edge control on them, just getting themselves together. Because that's what inspires me to keep going. And so that continuous circle of what is it that you're doing? What are you putting out into the universe to ensure that you're getting that positivity back? So to people like Leslie Honoré and her beautiful brunch, my God, also Nicole Jordan who catered it, y'all, the best fucking shrimp and grits I've ever had. But for moments like that, that's what I want to celebrate. That's what I want to highlight. Um, I really hope everyone has an amazing week. I am so blessed to have reached 30 and to have this type of love and happiness in my life. I, I truly cannot put it into words how I feel right now. Um, just really, really in a space of being happy that God has kept me and continues to put me in positions that I'm in to better myself and those around me. So I hope everyone has an amazing week. Um, definitely reach out if you want any other questions answered for traveling and cool, but I can give you all a more detailed list and I will holler at you all next week. Bye.